Welcome to the Gospel of Grace radio broadcast, a primitive Baptist ministry declaring the good news of the finished work of salvation by grace alone. This program is brought to you weekly by Elder Joe Nettles, pastor of Sulphur Springs Primitive Baptist Church in Caledonia, Mississippi, and Elder David Wise, pastor of Macedonia Primitive Baptist Church in Ackerman, Mississippi. Stay tuned for today's message. Good morning and welcome again to the Gospel of Grace radio broadcast. This is Elder David Wise here with you, and we're very thankful to have you with us on the program today. We would invite you to return each week for this program, whether you listen through a radio or podcast or some other means, and we would warmly invite you to come worship with us in North Mississippi. The churches that produce and host this program are Macedonia Primitive Baptist Church, we're at 11 Staten Road, north of Ackerman, Mississippi. And then we partner with Sulphur Springs Primitive Baptist Church outside of Caledonia, Mississippi. We both meet for worship on Sunday mornings at 10.30 a.m. And we'd love to have you come and see us on Sunday morning. And then we also have a joint worship meeting in Starkville, Mississippi at the New Covenant Church on 200 West Garrett Road, Starkville, Mississippi, every Wednesday night at 6 p.m. So we would invite you to come out and worship with us at those times if you have an opportunity and go to our website, gospel-of-grace.com. You can get caught up on past messages and listen to us, find links to our podcast. And also there are links to many of the radio messages on Macedonia's website, macedonia-pbc.org. And we'd love to hear from you. Please contact us. Please email us and let us know that you're listening. We would love to hear from you, answer your questions, or just get any feedback that you have and correspond with you. This morning, we'd like to bring, Lord willing, the second to last message on spiritual warfare that I've spent a good bit of time this year dealing with on our, during my time on the radio. And this morning, we'd like to look at God's word and prayer that are our primary defenses against our enemy of Satan. So. We hope that'll be a blessing for you, and we certainly invite you to stay tuned to the message this morning that will air right after this song. Gospel of Grace radio broadcast again. This is Elder David Wise here with you. And for many months on the program, we've been trying to consider spiritual warfare and the reality of that, the spiritual realm that we don't have clear vision to see, the spiritual warfare that's going on around us. 
We've tried to spend time examining our enemies and knowing Satan's devices and knowing his playbook so we can be knowledgeable of his tactics and wily deceptions. So we're aware of those to where hopefully we will not be deceived by those. And then we've also tried to consider together our defenses. What has God provided for us to aid us in this warfare? And we've talked about the providential hedge that God has put around us and certainly angels, angelic protection that fight on our behalf. And we thank God for all of that. And in addition to that, this morning we want to focus primarily on God's Word and prayer, and then next time focus on overcoming faith and the shield of faith, and all of those things are describing the armor of God. And we'd like to go this morning to Ephesians chapter 6, and you've heard me reference this quite a few different times, that we spent a series a few years ago on the radio solely focused on the armor of God and one message focusing on each of those seven components of the armor of God. So we would certainly encourage you to go to macedonia-pbc.org, search the armor of God, and to search spiritual warfare. All of those messages will be on Macedonia's website, as well as in the archives of gospel-of-grace.com. So we spent a good bit of time looking at the armor of God and those seven components of the armor of God, and we'll go back and read that for you this morning from Ephesians chapter 6. But I really want us to understand that our greatest defense in this spiritual warfare is God's Word. It's the sword of the Spirit and prayer, which is prayer is us calling in reinforcements. I mean, we talked about the angelic protection that we have. Well, God dispatches angels to our behalf based on our requests, based on our prayers, right? And isn't it amazing to think about the fact that God will send reinforcements for us in this spiritual warfare just if we ask Him, if we ask Him in prayer. And many times, unfortunately, we have not because we ask not, right? We don't ask for reinforcements. We don't ask for help and aid. And therefore, sometimes we struggle in this battle. So we want to focus once again on our defenses in the spiritual warfare. And again, I would encourage you to listen more in depth to that extended series on the armor of God that deals with each of these components individually. And we hope that you'll be blessed by those series of messages. But this morning, we want to zone in on the Word of God and prayer. So let's go to Ephesians chapter 6, and we'll just begin reading in verse 10 and look at the whole armor of God. Ephesians chapter 6 and in verse 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. And we've talked about that, haven't we? We've talked about who our real enemy is. And Satan is our real enemy, but Satan moves and works through rulers of darkness and spiritual wickedness in high places and principalities and powers. Verse 13, Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand the evil day, and having done all to stand. Stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness, and having your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, and above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith you may be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked, and take the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, 
praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints, and for me that utterance may be given unto me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in bonds, that therein I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. So here we have the armor of God, the whole armor of God that we need to put on on a daily basis to protect ourselves against the wiles of Satan in this spiritual warfare. First, we have the girdle of truth, having our loins girt about with truth. The breastplate of righteousness that protects our heart and our chest cavity. Our feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace that should guide our walk. Above all, this puts preeminence on the shield of faith. Above all, taking the shield of faith wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. And next time, Lord willing, we will consider overcoming faith, which speaks of that shield of faith, that we are to quench the fiery darts of the wicked. We have the ability to quench the attacks of Satan, but we can't do it by ourselves. We have to do it by faith. We have to do it by faith and confidence in Jesus Christ. And then he says, take the helmet of salvation. You need to have your head and your mind protected with a constant reminder of salvation by grace alone, that we are overcomers, that we are victors and more than conquerors in this warfare because of Jesus Christ. We need to be reminded of that. And when we're reminded of that, it protects our mind. It protects our mind from all of these bad thoughts that creep in to think that Satan is winning. Well, he's not winning. He's already lost, you see. And that's why we need to put on the helmet of salvation. And then we arrive at the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Now, certainly a shield can be an offensive weapon to a degree. If you're in close enough proximity, if you've seen war scenes in older movies, particularly in the Middle Ages or something like that, you can see that a shield, if you're in close proximity, you can hit somebody with a shield. But a shield is not primarily an offensive weapon. A shield is primarily a defensive weapon, even though it can be used in offense in close proximity. Helmet of salvation is certainly to protect your head. But the two offensive weapons in this armor of God, the two offensive weapons are the sword of the Spirit and prayer. Prayer is the seventh of the pieces of the armor of God that rounds out the number seven of perfection and completion. But let's never lose sight of the fact that prayer is an offensive weapon. You see, we are beseeching the God of glory to fight on our behalf, and there's no better thing we can do in this warfare than pray unto God for his protection and guidance and deliverance. But the sword of the Spirit is primarily the offensive weapon that we have in this spiritual warfare against Satan. And we've went to Matthew chapter 4 and Jesus' temptation many times during this series, but we'd like to return there yet again. Because there, Jesus sets the pattern for the proper manner in which we should defend ourselves against the attack of Satan. And how did Jesus, who is fully sovereign, fully God, has all power in heaven and earth, how did Jesus defend himself against the temptations of Satan? By the word of God, right? By the sword of the Spirit. And Jesus did that to set a pattern for us. Jesus could have destroyed Satan right there. Jesus could have done anything to withstand Satan. But instead, Jesus said, as it is written, as it is written, as it is written. Jesus quoted the word of God to give us the pattern for how we offensively attack Satan 
And we know from the book of James that if we resist the devil, he will flee from us. And if we resist the devil with the word of God, uh, boy, I tell you, there's nothing that Satan hates worse than being reminded of God's word. And by the way, nothing that Satan hates worse than being reminded that he's a loser and that he's going to be cast in the lake of fire at the end of time. And that's what the word of God declares, isn't it? It declares that he's a defeated foe. And Satan doesn't want us to be reminded that he's a defeated foe, right? Satan wants us to feel like that he's winning the battle. Well, he's not winning the battle, okay? Satan's a loser, and the Word of God reminds him that he's a loser. So in Matthew chapter 4, we see Jesus taking up the sword of the Spirit. What a great example for us, right? Jesus taking up the sword of the Spirit to defend himself against Satan. Matthew chapter 4, and in verse 1, Then was Jesus led of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. Why would Jesus Christ be led of the Spirit to be tempted? Well, one of the reasons is to give us this pattern of defense, but also to remind us yet again that Jesus was tempted in all points as we are. He's a faithful high priest, and he can be touched with the feelings of our infirmities. He can succor those that are tempted. Why? Because he was tempted as the Son of Man. So the Spirit suffers this to occur so we can have the proper pattern to defeat Satan, but also to prove himself faithful as our high priest so we can come boldly to the throne of grace when we are tempted. So Jesus was led of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. And I'm sure we've learned, and I hope we've learned this together up to this point, but Satan will always tempt you in your weakest moment. He fasted 40 days and 40 nights, and he was afterward hungered as the Son of Man. Jesus was tired. He was exhausted. He was malnourished, maybe to the point of death. And what does Satan do when he's at that weak physical state? He tempts him with bread, you know? Satan didn't tempt Jesus with bread after he fed the 5,000 people and there were loaves left over, right? That's not when Satan tempted Jesus with bread. He tempted Jesus with bread when he was weak and when he was hungry. And that's why we have to be so diligent to put on our armor every single day because Satan will not come at you the hardest when you've got everything together. Satan comes at you the hardest when you're in your weakest moment, okay? So it's in that moment, in his weak moment of hunger, being malnourished and possibly to the point of physical death if he wasn't the son of God, then the tempter comes to him and says, if thou be the son of God, command these stones be made bread. And how did Jesus answer him? Jesus, in that, even in that weak physical state, what does he do? He picks up the sword of the spirit, right? He picks up the word of God and he says, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. So he picks up that sword of the spirit and he whacks the serpent on the top of the head with the word of God. But Satan's diligent, he's relentless. So what does he do? He comes back again. The devil taketh him up into a holy city and setteth him on the pinnacle of the temple and saith unto him, If thou be the Son of God, cast thyself down, for it is written. You see, Satan knows Scripture, and he knows it well enough to manipulate it. We're not going to turn over there to Psalm 91, but we're going to find that Satan is taking these verses out of context. Actually, if you keep on reading there in the Psalms, Satan surprisingly, not surprisingly, leaves out the portion that even speaks of his own destruction. So Satan knows the word of God and understand Satan knows the word of God probably better than you do. And that's why we need to be studious to stay ahead of the curb and stay ahead of Satan and the word of God because he's going to use it to deceive you. And you need to know the whole context of what scripture says, right? 
Because what Satan's going to do, personally, individually, and through false teachers, he will take it out of context or just blatantly misrepresent or just blatantly lie. That's what he did in the Garden of Eden, right? He just blatantly changed the Word of God. But sometimes he's not that blatant. He's subtle. He's wily. He's crafty. So he's going to what appeared to be, in our mind, make a subtle change. Maybe just leave out a little bit here, leave out a little bit there. And God's people can possibly be deceived. So Satan tempts him with an incomplete message of the word of God. What does Jesus do? Jesus said unto him, verse 7, It is written again, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. He gets up that sword of the Spirit, and he smacks the serpent on the head the second time with the sword of the Spirit. Now the third temptation, verse 8, Again the devil taketh him up into a seating high mountain, and showeth him all the kingdoms of the world, and the glory of them, and saith unto him, All these things will I give thee, if thou wilt fall down and worship me. And Jesus said unto him, Get thee hence, Satan. You know, not only do we need to hit Satan on the head with the word of God, but resist the devil. He'll flee from you. Tell Satan to get out of here. Tell Satan to get out of here. This is Jesus's bought and paid for possession. My temple is not yours. My temple is bought and paid for by the blood of Jesus, and my life is consecrated and sanctified to Jesus Christ. You got no business here. Get out of here, Satan. Get thee hence, Satan. And oh, by the way, this is what the Bible says. It is written, thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. So Jesus picks up that sword of the Spirit. He smacks the serpent on the head the third time. And after that third time of getting hit on the head with the word of God, you know what? Satan then, verse 11, the devil leaveth him, and behold, angels came and ministered unto Jesus. You know, if you resist the devil and hit the devil over the head with the word of God enough, he's going to get tired of it. (laughs) He's going to get tired of it. And he's going to go pick on somebody that doesn't know the word of God well enough because that's in his best interest. And it's more efficient for him to do that because this person has their armor on. They have their shield of faith. They are praying unto God. They have a well-trained and well-sharpened sword of the spirit. And if you hit the devil over the head enough with the word of God, he will flee from you. But understand, he will flee from you just for a season. (laughs) He's not done with you forever. Instead, many times that'll put you on Satan's list. Remember Job? Job was on Satan's list and Satan tried to get at him. But it's a good thing for us to be on Satan's list because that means that we are serving God faithfully. And we certainly pray that we can be faithful enough that Satan will desire to tear us down. And we certainly hope and pray by God's grace that he will enable us and strengthen us to withstand that temptation. So we see Jesus' pattern out here of picking up the sword of the Spirit, attacking Satan, an offensive weapon against Satan in the spiritual warfare, attacking Satan, telling him to get out of here. And after resisting the devil and defending himself with the word of God, then Satan leaves him. And we've already talked about angels. God is faithful to send angels to minister to us in the midst of those temptations. And we are so thankful that God is faithful to do that. So Jesus set the perfect example for us, didn't he? Of taking up that sword of the spirit, the word of God, defeating and answering the attacks of Satan with the word of God, hitting the serpent and the devil over the head with that sword of the spirit, And if you do that enough, he will flee from you for a season. So the seventh piece of that armor of God in Ephesians chapter 6 is prayer. And prayer is us understanding our weakness and our frailty in the midst of this battle, right? I mean, 
we understand that in and of ourselves, Satan's a roaring lion and he can and will overcome us. But what do we do? We pray unto God, right? We pray unto God to deliver us from the wickedness of Satan. So when we pray, we're calling in reinforcements. And we talked about that. We've talked about prayer. We've talked about angelic intervention. Think about Daniel, that in the beginning of his prayer, God dispatched a angel to him when he began prayer. Before he had even said amen in his prayer, God already had an angel on the way to minister to him. And that should just excite us in our prayers, right? If God is that attentive to our prayers, why would we not pray more for help and protection in the spiritual warfare? We have not because we ask not, right? So prayer is us asking for God's protection and deliverance. But also notice specifically here in Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 18, we know we need to pray always, praying always with all prayer and supplication. We're told in 1 Thessalonians 5 to pray without ceasing. Well, why do we need to be praying all the time? Because we're in this warfare all the time, right? We're always in a battle. We're always in a conflict with Satan and the kingdom of darkness. We're always in this battle. So therefore, we always need to be praying, don't we? Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit and watching, be vigilant, be sober, watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. But he specifically says here, you need to pray for God to bless you, but also the sword of the spirit is an offensive weapon, but the ministry and God's called preachers are a tremendous offensive army in this spiritual warfare. And we need to understand that. We need to understand that God has called men to fight on your behalf as a member of the church. God has called men to defend you. God has called men to fight the spiritual warfare for you and to press back against the darkness. Instead of Satan attacking us and the gates of heaven not being breached, instead, God's ministers are called upon to fight against the gates of hell cannot breach the kingdom of God. So God's offensive army is his preachers to a large degree. And now his whole church is the army, right? But we're the leaders, the ministry, myself. We are called to be examples. We're called to be leaders in this spiritual warfare. So therefore, you pray for your preachers. You pray for your pastors that they would be strengthened and emboldened in this warfare, that they would be filled up with a holy zeal to storm the gates of hell. We need to be on the offensive in the kingdom of God. We've been too passive. We've been too weak. We need the emboldening power of the Holy Spirit to attack the gates of hell. And church, you need to be praying for the ministry. You need to be praying for men to be raised up in the ministry, but you need to be praying for those that are already on the front lines fighting on your behalf. Verse 19, and for me, he's saying, church at Ephesus, please pray for me. Please pray for the ministry that utterance may be given unto me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in bonds, that therein I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. And there's many other verses in the New Testament. We've preached about open doors. We've preached about this aspect of prayer in our Armor of God series, and we hope that you'll listen to that. But this is speaking of church, be praying for your pastor, be praying for the preachers, be praying for the ministry, because God has put them in a position to defend you. 
God has put them in a position to fight on your behalf. And I don't want people fighting on my behalf. I mean, there are people that are full-time. The ministry is not a part-time cavalier position. It is a full-time calling. Because I'll tell you, we need a full-time military, don't we? Aren't you glad that in America we have a full-time military? Aren't you glad we don't have a part-time militia that are defending us? And uh, the problem in the church is that we've had a part-time militia that don't really want to fight on the church's behalf. We have a ministry that has not been engaged enough. We have a ministry that has not been focused enough in this battle. And that starts with me. That starts with the ministers under the sound of my voice. We are the leaders. We are the leaders in this fight. But church, you need to be praying for your leaders. You need to be praying for your pastors. And preachers, we need to get up and fight on the church's behalf every single day. Your primary calling is not secular work. Your primary calling is not you going out and making money. Your primary calling is to defend the church. It's to defend the church against Satan. It's to storm the gates of hell. And church, you need to be praying for your preachers to fight for you to defend you, that doors of utterance would be opened, that the kingdom would be advanced and not diminished, that God's kingdom would come. The kingdom is weak because we are weak in our prayers. And that starts with me. I'm weak in the kingdom because I'm weak on my knees. But I'll tell you, the way that we start changing the battlegrounds in this spiritual warfare, the way that the kingdom of God is advanced and grows in this world begins on our knees. It begins in prayer. It begins in prayer, but it doesn't end in prayer. Ask, but we need to be seeking and we need to be knocking, right? The ministry needs to be committed. This is a full-time ministry, a full-time warfare and the church has been losing in this warfare, one of the main reasons for it is because of a weak part-time ministry. We are full-time soldiers in the kingdom of God, and we need to take our calling seriously. Church, pray for your pastors. Pray for your preachers. And for me, that utterance may be given unto me. Give me boldness. Open doors of utterance that I may make known and open my mouth boldly. Don't let us be weak. Lord, give us boldness. Boldness to make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in bonds that therein I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. We need boldness. We don't need weak cowards in the kingdom. We need boldness. We need men like Elijah that are willing to stand by themselves we need boldness and strength. Quit you like men, not weak, cowardly men on the front lines serving in the ministry. We all need to be strengthened. We all need more boldness. We all need a greater zeal and diligence in this fight. And may God strengthen us to know God's word better, for the ministry to equip and teach the church the word of God better, right? How's the church going to know the word of God if the ministers aren't in the word of God and teaching the word of God? It's our responsibility to teach the church so they're equipped to fight with the sword of the spirit. But church, pray for your pastors, pray for your preachers, pray for the ministry, and pray for the kingdom, that the kingdom will be advanced, that the kingdom would come, that the kingdom would grow, and that it would not be diminished here in this world. Let's fight a good fight. Amen? Let's fight the good fight of faith, fight a spiritual warfare, and endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Until we have a chance to meet with you again and to consider this topic one more time together, we pray that the Lord would strengthen you in the spiritual warfare, 
be more diligent in your prayers, be more diligent in your Bible study, and that God would bless his kingdom to come. May God bless you. If you enjoy the messages you hear on the Gospel of Grace radio broadcast, we invite you to visit a Primitive Baptist church in your area. Visit our website at gospel-of-grace.com to search for a Primitive Baptist church near you, to listen to past messages online, and to find additional contact information. This program is also available on iTunes under podcasts with the title, The Gospel of Grace, a Primitive Baptist radio broadcast. If you enjoy our program, send us an email at gospelofgracepb at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. This program is produced by Sulphur Springs Primitive Baptist Church, 40283 Wolf Road, Caledonia, Mississippi, and Macedonia Primitive Baptist Church, 11 Staten Road on Highway 15, just north of Ackerman, Mississippi. Come and worship with us each Sunday morning at 1030 and tune in next week for another message from the Gospel of Grace. Until next time, we pray that God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus our Lord.